Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show, The Lisa Burke Show, just after International Women's Day. So I hope you've had a wonderful week, of course, as always, with its various ups and downs that come our way in life. It's just an inevitability. And today I have another full house. Of course, we're going to start with Sasha Keogh, as always. Welcome, Sasha. Hello, Lisa. Lovely to see you every Friday. We've also got uh, Jeff Thompson, who has recently been in the studio as well, but this time you're going to talk about the British and Irish Film Festival. British and Irish Film Festival, Luxembourg, yes, Lisa. Yes, nice Luxembourg. To be back. I should, I should add that. We've got Max Filton, who is the city manager of the city of Differdange. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Wonderful to have you here. And two of your stars, who are Céline Lacroix and Natalia Vrona. So beautiful ladies in the house as well. Hi, Lisa. Happy to be here. <laughs> Hello. Lovely to see you again, Natalia and Celine. Lovely to meet you for the first time. So, as ever, Sasha, we're going to start with a reflection of the week's news. And I think um, we have to mention the, the brief spell of snow we've had this week. Yes, it caused quite a stir. And it was, I mean, it was a real mess here on, on Wednesday. I know people probably from Nordic countries do not appreciate the chaos that happened on Wednesday morning because uh, it was just a short, brief snowfall uh, starting at like eight o'clock on Wednesday morning. So it was only like three. Oh, it was four. before eight. I know that. Oh, okay. yeah. That was, <laughs> it depends that was where you live, I guess. We really yes. noticed yeah. it here. That's when the accidents kept piling yes. up. Yeah. And we were on the morning show, and poor Steps, he was reading the, the, the traffic updates. And he, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, there's another accident, and there's another, and, you know, there's another traffic jam. And. The, yeah. There were 80 accidents yeah. on, on in just that one morning. And the photographs of, you know, jackknife buses and lorries, it really caused a chaos. And it was all over then by... By the time I went the afternoon, home, it was just it, rain. It melted. It's quite extraordinary weather phenomenon. Yeah, it really was. In fact, uh, my eldest daughter, my youngest daughter, was sick that day, and so she she slept through it. But <laughs> my eldest daughter, her bus couldn't get up the hill, so they had to to walk up a hill to school. But I'm sure that did them uh, well. But yes. we we actually had a, a very bad accident in Neudorf on Monday as well, unfortunately. Yes, this is a really sad accident. Um, so three people were were killed actually, and it was uh, it was. Uh, a car overtaking a bus and uh, and then a, a second car behind it uh, collided with that first car so both passengers in the back were, were killed as was a pedestrian and um, so I mean it's a really sad story to, to have happened anyways um, but it, it has been used uh, by politicians also to make a point um, That's I, why I bring up this story yes. actually it's not to think about the terrible accident no. but it's in fact because there's a political element to yes, it Yes absolutely so the uh, Green Party politician uh, came out afterwards uh, advocating for this 30 kilometre an hour uh, speed limit that they, they feel should be implemented across town and why hadn't it been and she tweeted it and, and then had to retract it because people thought that she was making you know political gain from a really tragic story. Uh, so that was one side and the other side of course uh, even Francois Bausch uh, the uh, transport minister spoke about that bus stops must be more clearly signposted. You know it, it, I don't, from what I understand it's it's not illegal to overtake a bus, but obviously it's very ill-advised. Well, just from personal experience, and not just my experience, mm. but uh, some of my friends, I have found bus drivers, with respect to them, a little bit aggressive at times. Mm. Um, is that... That's that's definitely true. <laughs> I'm glad you were saying that. True, that's huh? my experience. Yeah, yeah I, I, I found it bizarre because, you know, in other countries I've been in, it's, it's, it's usual that you take over a larger vehicle and they allow you because they tend to be slower. Anyway, I, I leave that aside. Yes, <laughs> I mean, this in this instance, I think the bus was, was actually parked in a bus stop. So, ah, but so, um, you know, overtaking a bus, you know, there's often yes. also a zebra crossing at the course, other side of a bus. Yes. So it yeah. is a thing of safety first. But uh, it was, yeah, very sad story. Very sad story. And it shouldn't be used for political gain. Now, to have your news, uh, the celebration around International Women's Day and the news that comes out of this every year. It's its really interesting, isn't it? Because I'm always interested how different countries uh, celebrate or, or mark International Women's Day. So, I mean, when I was growing up in the UK, it really wasn't, wasn't a thing. marked, it wasn't a thing. No, we didn't um, have that. We just mm-hmm. had a I, normal day. Yes, and when I read a, 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 an article in the Washington Post, again, apparently in America, it's not very uh, much celebrated. Whereas obviously, like in Russia, you know, every, every, women get flowers um, in, in parts of South America, you get a day off. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and, and in Europe, it's becoming increasingly uh, 
an opportunity maybe to highlight certain uh, issues. So the march in Luxembourg was very much um, highlighting issues around domestic violence, about uh, home, women who are homeless. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's really nice to have a day where certain topics can be brought to the fore yes. of the news agenda. And in fact, there were some interesting facts um, about parliamentary seats which are filled by women across the world and some really interesting ones here I thought. I I thought so too so so, I mean who would think that there were more female parliamentarians in Rwanda than there are in the EU so I thought that was that was the statistic that really yeah, when I read at me, yes, I, me too. And when I read that, I thought, why is that? And so I had to Google the population of Rwanda to see is there like a significantly higher proportion of women living there than men? But it's not significantly higher. It's 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 on par. So really interesting. And the other one that popped out at me was the UAE. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, they they have a quota system, don't they? So so again, it's much higher than you would imagine. I can't remember exactly. It's 50-50. 50 figures, yeah. So they've agreed a 50-50. But it is only 30% as, as an EU average. So mm. that's not really high enough, is it? And the same are on boards in Luxembourg um, companies. Again, they, they haven't reached the quota that Xavier Bettel had promised back in 2015. So, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Indeed there is. But at the same time, Sorry to go on, but I thought a little tiny side fact was that women in Luxembourg earn more per hour. I saw that too. Uh, it's, it's one that's really <laughs> difficult to get my head round. Um, and yet the, um, you know, they, they earn less the, the income is less, but the hourly rate seems to be higher. Than yes. That. Yeah. I like that. I like that little snippet. I, I did read that too. And it made Reverse me smile. gender pay gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dwell on it because it's it's a, a weekly cyclic story. Um, but France and the pension age. Well, that was a massive protest this week. You know, they yeah. had promised that they're going to not just it's not just going to be railway workers. You know, it was everybody they were expecting really a lot of people, and it was over a million people were out on the streets protesting. It still has very much popular support. However, it does look like it's going to go through Parliament this week and should be signed off by Sunday. So. I'm not quite sure what happens then, whether people will still protest once it's gone through. Um, so it does look like the French pension age will be, uh, not, not yeah. the opposite of lowered, heightened to <laughs> 64 years yes. by the end of this week. Well, I have my own personal views on this, but um, I probably shouldn't say them <laughs> yes, in case, we said them in case times, I get some we? French hate <laughs> mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is... I think also a really interesting story. It's about Luxembourg's drug shortage. Yes, I was really interested because I have to say it's not something that I have noticed at all. No, thankfully. uh, Luxembourg pharmacies are running short of certain medicines and in fact have run out on certain medicines. It's very difficult to get hold of cough syrup and um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Antibiotics for children. And it's all about the supply to Luxembourg. So again, Luxembourg gets a, a quota of supplies from other countries, in particular Belgium. Yeah. And uh, there have been these major issues. And it's, it seems to be, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a crisis proportions, but it's it's quite a big issue here. Yeah, it is really important. I mean, um, and, and antibiotics in particular are very important. I don't know why. I couldn't find out why we have the shortage apart, apart from supply chain issues. Supply chain issues. The other thing that uh, came up was that some drugs are being used for, have a secondary use. Oh, and yes. This is this, in particular, this diabetes drug. Yes. Which um, has the side effect of being um, encouraging weight loss and it's become increasingly popular uh, to buy it as as a weight loss drug um, and th- that that apparently you can't get hold of at all <laughs> well, <laughs> so if you do want to get hold of it not a chance yeah but amazing I mean how would you get I would imagine that was a prescribed drug and then how would you get it uh, anyway it's a yes. side story there how would you get it story. if you weren't diabetic but um, I'm going to jump now uh, uh, across uh, your other story, which is about uh, Luxembourg's uh, lowest inflation level, which is across the eurozone, which is which is good. But I like the next story, which is about the Grand Duke's income. This caught my eye this week. Oh yes, this it has, it has caught my eye too. I have to say, <laughs> um, I didn't realise that the Grand Duke doesn't have an official income from the government, and it's something the government wanted to do. But it's not just the Grand Duke; it's the Grand Ducal family. So yes, I think it's five members of his family, um, and so this also needs to. Be 
be passed through through government, that he has an annual income, which will also have wage indexation and all the other benefits that um, employees get in Luxembourg. But no taxes. And no taxes. Mm, Benefits and no taxes. (laughs) And quite, quite high. I, I thought, thought so it was too, quite high, particularly when over it's half a million euros per year, yeah. tax free. So yeah, yeah. What do you think about this, Max? Are you like, <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, the hot seat? It, well, I mean, it's. Um, I have my personal view on that, yes, of, um, which you probably can't share. I won't share. Please do, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's pretty high, and I mean, um, sometimes for me, it's important how um, the money is spent and how what you're doing with it. So, if you do it for the purpose to to sell the country outside, or you you just bring some added value to the country, and you have to travel, you take some businesses along, and you yes, bring but I imagine his travel is paid for but um i i guess so and um that's why um, can we measure the added value that he actually brings in this i don't know yeah. i mean this we don't really have all the data for um but well i represent the city we are all um of course you know having you know we we, we are going for the government for with 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 our grand ducal family so this is for sure but um, we are always allowed as an economist of the city too that we just sometimes think about how the, the money is distributed, allocated and for what purposes and when we just have to go short as we as a city too on many things uh, due to inflation, energy crisis, um, our salaries of course with inflation um, then we have to wonder whether not everybody has to go a little bit in the same direction and is it really like this? Question mark. And yes. this is where we have to check a little bit in the future how this will be allocated. Well, thank you for sharing that uh, that little, very very diplomatic answer there. <laughs> well, surely this is good for accountability and transparency. Oh, transparency. I'm all for transparency. Oh, yes. Yes. And I did wonder that only five salaries. What about the other members of the Grand Ducal family? That that was another question I had there. Well, I, I, I suppose they're, they're not on the official list. I mean, they, they have a lot of uh, property and uh, quite a personal wealth as it is. Yes. But I think, as Jeff said, this the idea of having this is, is to make it more transparent where the money is going. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. Yeah, regarding one the uh, the other members, for example, Prince Felix, uh, only last week did he uh, present the uh, the new wines, wine. yeah. the wine vintage from his uh, vineyard. So he's involved in a commercial uh, enterprise. Was that his or his wife's family's? Yes, it's from his wife's family. Within the family, I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I, I, I think overall, uh, things like this, uh, in today's modern society, it's good to have the uh, the, the figures published. Uh, oh, we yes. We can argue about the rates and, and things like that, but I, I, think, I think it's great. Me too. Oh, no, it was more about delving into the figures. Oh, speaking of figures, do you know what's something, that caught, and you might like this as an economist, something that caught my attention this week is that this year in Luxembourg, our VAT has decreased by 1% to 16%. But that is not being followed through on all costs to, let's say you, I don't know, for an example, Netflix or something you subscribe to. The cost, that drop of 1% in TV has not been passed on to customers at all times. And so just be aware of that as a customer, that the prices have not necessarily changed because that's the point of it in a way to decrease the VAT by 1%. But that was just the side figure story that hit me this week, in fact. Well, it's a little bit similar, like uh, a story that I put in about Luxembourg with this very low inflation rate. Yes. Um, You know, it's got the lowest inflation rate in the the Eurozone, uh, which was measured in February. And yet food... Food prices have gone up. Uh, tw- well, we know it, yes. but you know, have gone up to I think twelve percent. It was so. You know, th- things are not in 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 kilter. It feels yeah. that some 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 prices have gone up hugely, like household items and yeah. food, and and yet the, the, the general inflation is very low. So yeah, I don't understand that. An economist would be able to explain it much better. Well, you know, um, the big thing is that we have a break on gas, energy prices in general. So this break is, of course, a little bit playing in because that was that was the main inflation effect that we had uh, I mean especially also for us as, uh, as a big town um, we were suffering a lot under this we got the break on it the cap on it so of course inflation was definitely um, we kept it on the lower level 
But um, if we just take now the index system, which is again, of course, not a subject, but just saying that we might have three for a big city like Diffodange, where I know um, this is a huge impact on our financial uh, expenditures. And um, automatically it's um, a spiral which is going up again with prices because, of course, um, uh, other businesses are doing the same. I mean, they have to pay their people much higher. They, and of course, the prices are going up in order to compensate for this index. And so the VAT is somehow um, losing itself in there. And um, there is an extreme power of the index system that we have on the price spiral. And um, I just can measure it for us now as a town. Um, it's it's enormous what um, what comes on us. To well, it's moving towards ten percent by the end of the year, seven point five percent. Well, in fact, it's not quite seven because it's compounded interest. In fact, so it's uh, two point five, then another two point five, and another two point five. So, in fact, it's moving. Yes, Jeff. Well, like another aspect of the the whole indexation issue is how is the cost of living index, uh, etc., and how is inflation measured? And there have been arguments going on for decades, and like, is the basket uh, is it correct? Is it uh, equitable, uh, etc.? But th- this is like a, a related, but it, it's 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 a close discussion, oh, yeah. and yeah. maybe in the in the future uh, we will we will see changes to this. Well, yeah, I have tried to bring it up yeah. as a topic on my show, Jeff. And if you would like to come back and discuss indexation oh, sure, yeah. again, I will certainly yeah. do so because it's something that's. Um, in fact, I spoke about it with um, <laughs> Eureka Bacchus, in fact, our lovely minister. And um, yeah, well, anyway, you can go back and reflect yeah. on that show and then come back and we can talk about indexation. But now, since I have you here, Jeff and Sasha, going to you, uh, Oscars at the weekend. This is one of your stories of the week. Yes, so it's Oscar time on, on Sunday. Obviously, last year's Oscars were extremely controversial because of the slap, which yes. we talked about many, many times. <laughs> um, so organisers apparently are, are planning for all, all scenarios. Um, and but I, I thought it was uh, super interesting. Um, what you know the films that are that are coming up. You know there there are the obvious ones like Top Gun Maverick, and then um, but the most the favourite one is this this interesting film which is taking place across different metaverses. Almost once everywhere. I've now of course forgotten the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I haven't seen, but that seems to be a big favourite. And also all all's quite. Um, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is up for nine nominations as well. Um, so, you know, there, there's a real mixed bag today, but in sort of silly trivia on the side, um, did you see the swag bag? Yeah, well, actually, you say silly trivia. This is the thing that I'm kind of most yes. interested in. <laughs> so, so, they, so at the Oscars, the, the, the 25 top nominees apparently traditionally get a swag bag, but this year it's worth $125,000. And that's not the highest because I saw in one article the, the rate of cost of the swag bags and one year it was, it was beyond that. I've seen the graph. So <laughs> this isn't the most it's ever been. So you don't just get a few cosmetics, you get uh, travel vouchers. And when you say cosmetics, some of it can be cosmetic surgery. Yes. <laughs> but the one I liked was a particularly high-tech meditational orb. Right. So I was wondering what I would love to look up the cost of this particular um, item in your swag bag. Is that, are they, yeah, high tech meditational orb. Should those two words go together in a phrase? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Isn't the point of meditation to avoid the tech? But anyway. But I I did go, I was at the cinema yesterday and I looked at all these films that are up for Oscars like Tar, you know. Yes, I want to see Tar. Yes. And I I felt so bad. And we, in fact, just talked about it on the morning show this morning saying we all love going to the cinema, but with our morning schedules you kind of go much less so I haven't seen very many of the of the Oscar nominations at all and they all look fantastic yeah so well you haven't mentioned the Irish one Jeff Jeff tell us yes have you seen any of the Oscar films up for nomination yeah I've been lucky enough to to see quite a few you mentioned Tard there which is uh, superb Um, but there's a couple of Irish films there there in particular this year there's on Colleen Kuhn Ah. As well, so that's up for the, um, or that's also known as, as the Quiet Girl. And oh yes, we saw that recently. It's also in our uh, British Art Film Festival uh, Spring Festival uh, program, which we'll be getting on to uh, shortly. I believe very shortly. Um, but um, that's up for um, 
the award for best uh, foreign language film, as is um, the All Quiet on the Western Front. That's one of the categories it's nominated in. And then you've got the Banshees of Incheren. Yes. And that's very interesting because... Because no- you pronounced it correctly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most people can't. Um, yeah, and it's not even Irish. Uh, no, no. Where was it filmed? In uh, Czech? No, no, uh, it, no. The uh, the title is uh, not Irish. It is not Irish. Title. Yeah. it's an English title. But it was uh, uh, filmed primarily in on islands off the west coast of Ireland. Okay, well, at least Irish soil. Yeah, <laughs> but um, that um, we've got Kerry Condon. Uh, we've got. Uh, I think three or four people uh, in the acting uh, categories that are up for awards. So we're so rightly yeah, so. Absolutely. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens on Sunday night, yeah. early, early Monday morning. Will you be watching? I hope to, yes. You'll be there with your popcorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, now, Jeff, you did mention that we'll be moving on to the British and Irish Film Festival. I'm just holding it up for the camera so that everybody can see this lovely, lovely uh, programme I have full of wonderful films. So, uh, Jeff, you have been leading this for how many years now? We started in 2010. Goodness me. Yeah, a long time. Going back a few years. So next year we'll be celebrating our 15th. Oh, well, we had to get there first. And we'll actually have uh, two festivals this year. Normally we just have our autumn festival um, for about um, uh, seven, eight, nine days uh, in September. This year we've decided that we're going to have a spring festival and an autumn festival. The spring festival starts uh, on Sunday week. That's the 19th until the 24th. And what have we got to look forward to? Because you really scour, you go and watch these different small art scene films right across uh, Britain and Ireland, obviously. Yeah, so we've got, um, uh, and over the years, I've been going each year to the Galway Film Fla, the Galway Film Festival in the West of Ireland. That's normally held in July. And that's been a great source. Now, the pandemic has put a bit, a bit of a, uh, a stop to the conveyor belt of uh, production and shooting and writing and, and everything. Uh, but that festival is uh, certainly back uh, where it belongs. Uh, but we can't necessarily say the same with the Edinburgh International Film Festival, uh, which has been held um, in late June uh, every year. And unfortunately, that meant that I missed the Grand Duke celebrations uh, here uh, for quite a few years. But I was doing something that I loved. Uh, Unfortunately, that the organisation behind that went into administration bankruptcy at the end of last year. But literally, I think two or three days ago, they announced that there's a budget has been allocated to hold it this year in August during the main uh, Fringe festivals. Oh, busy time then in Edinburgh. Yeah, so book your hotel now. (laughs) That's unfortunately going to be too late for us to select films uh, for our uh, September festival. But we have, in addition to the 11 feature films and one short film that we're going to be screening uh, in March now. Uh, we'll be screening a number, including documentaries, which are uh, one a of very, my very strong yeah. uh, sort of part of our um, uh, festival makeup. Uh, we'll be doing those in September. Yeah, no, I love the, the documentaries that you um, pick. Some of them really resonate with me. Tell me about your special guest. We have Lorcan Krantich coming over um, this year. He's going to be coming over for three films. Uh, now, I must mention before, just before, uh, but directly linked with this. So he uh, is like Luxembourg's Vicky Creeps Ooh. in many ways, because what he does is uh, he uh, acts and speaks in different languages. So he's bilingual uh, in Irish and English. And this year we have three Irish language films in our lineup uh, in our Spring Festival. And we're opening with uh, one of those, which is Rosia August Frank. And we must add, I'm assuming they have English subtitles. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, even, even for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so Lorcan is uh, one of the lead actors in that film, plus the two on the Tuesday. So uh, the first one does Tarak, uh, which is also Irish language. That's a, a drama. Uh, Rosie August Frank is a uh, is a comedy, and Tarak is a drama set in uh, I think it's in in Kerry, but in the world of uh, it's it's got a sports themed sort of background to it uh, of open water rowing. And they call them Navogues. People may be more familiar with the word curric. 
Yes. So it, it's very similar. It depends which region of Ireland you're from, uh, uh, how they're named. And then uh, later on that evening, he's in an English language uh, drama called Lakelands, which is set in the world of Gaelic football. So we've got the Gaelic, uh, um, uh, Luxembourg Gaelic Sports uh, Club that's going to be supporting that. Oh, that's marvellous. So no he's doubt. going to be over for the three of those in person for post-screening and Q&As. Super. Well, we might have in to. In Irish and English. We might have to have him on the show here. Now, my Irish is not up to interviewing him in Irish <laughs> because I left Ireland at 10. Well, you, you've got a while to sort of brush to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's enough time for me to. Right. How is your Gaelic? Yeah, we talked about this last time. Yes. Uh, uh, Lisa, so next yes. question. Okay. <laughs> no, no, seriously, it's it, it's fine for me. I can read something. I can pronounce uh, it uh, correctly. I can understand most of what's happening. If we're looking, uh, if we're listening, or looking at Amnuacht, uh, which is the Irish for the news which is related to what we're uh, doing here today, uh, I can understand probably 50% of what's, uh, what's being good. said. So I, I say speaking is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Like my Luxembourgish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, I, the reason I open my phone is because at the moment I'm listening to this audiobook, which is a kind of a tome on... N- not during the show, I hope. No. <laughs> I am listening to you, Jeff. Every single word is like uh, gold being dripped into me. Um, Fintan O'Toole, he's written this Irish book, which was really celebrated last year, called We Don't Know Ourselves, A Personal History of Ireland Since 1958. I think you would like this. Uh, the reason I'm bringing it up at all is because through that, you see a little bit why your generation, um, all of us, really, we, we were not fed Irish at school. It was There was a dip in it. My parents didn't really encourage Irish because they thought, what's the use of it? But uh, but it's come back. It's yeah, come the, back. The, the big difference, I, I believe, this is a, per, a personal be, uh, belief, is between Luxembourgish and uh, Irish and uh, between Luxembourg and Ireland, is in Luxembourg, it's a living language and uh, you can use it every day. You can go down to shop, you can use it um, in all administration and different etc. You use it. But in Ireland, apart from this few spots of the Gaeltacht, the yeah. Irish-speaking areas and the Irish-speaking schools, etc., you don't really. Yeah. Yes, they do encourage it and you do, uh, you're, it, it's it's like a fourth subject uh, to to be taught in schools. Uh, Did you say fourth or forced? Forced. <laughs> forced. Yeah. Um, beca- because because it, it's a compulsory yeah. uh, subject, yeah. and uh, people study it, but without understanding that it can be of benefit to them later in life. Oh, I think a lot of people do realise if you live in Ireland, it is of benefit to you if you want a civil servant job. If you want that, if you want to get higher points in your leaving search and, and things like that, but uh, is, is it worth it? So, no, these are serious questions. No, they are. And yeah. um, I, I really hope that uh, Irish does become um, sort of more widely used if they can possibly learn something from uh, Luxembourg. But maybe the way that uh, we're uh, promoting Irish language films at this film festival will go some small way. You're doing a wonderful job of promoting Irish. Now, indeed, I think your um, Gaelic could improve in time to interview Lorcan when he arrives. (laughs) You're not wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, now, you're staying with us for the show, but I'm going to turn now to three lovely guests here from Different Ange. Uh, starting with you, just to introduce you a little bit, uh, Max Felton, your chief economist. You're also the city manager for the city of Different Ange. And um, we've also got two of your protégés. We've got Céline Lacroix, who is also known as Céline in the Kitchen. In fact, if you want to look at her wonderful Instagram, which is mostly gorgeous looking cakes. I was hoping you might bring in some. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. No, no, no. Another time we can go to the website and choose. And of course, Natalia Vrona, uh, who is a makeup artist, extraordinaire and photographer. So it's marvellous to have you all here. Max, we've heard your voice already on the show, but I want you to talk to us a little bit more about what you're envisaging for this city of Différence. And I have a little quote here. You want to make it the Brooklyn of Luxembourg. Exactly. This is uh, exactly the hope that I have. I mean, we come... 
Uh, Diffadange used to be a very industrial city. Um, we are known for whatever industry it is. ArcelorMittal, one of the biggest employers still that we, still that we have uh, in Diffadange. And um, so um, um, if you compare it to Brooklyn, which has been exactly the same and, and whatever comes with this, that means um, we have um, many people who used to be manual workers in the mines. We had, um, of course, coming with this, a lot of issues with with alcohol with with drugs um, so of course um, the city of Diffadange um, were struggling over the time especially when uh, industry came a little bit to, to an end you know the banks came in uh, Luxembourg city started to uh, become much bigger and so all um, uh, people who went to university got degrees well they moved up here because they found some jobs in banks and um, so we stayed um, still with this picture of an industrial city and um, unfortunately we had some issues with this we had issues with um, with the social status that means we had a lot of poverty we had a lot of struggle uh, in in families to stay big families with uh, many children not enough schools to go language issues now that we came from Irish or Luxembourgish, you know, I mean, uh, the city of Diffadange today is the first city where um, it's um, in, inverse. So we have less Luxembourgers than uh, people from, so expats really living in uh, Diffadange. Well, that's so, the same with the city of Luxembourg. And it, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we are, yes, that's true. We are more or less the same. It's just we are now at 55, 56% already. So, um, and in fact, what um, I see is that we should use all this to, to, and see it as a huge potential to develop the city and to go into a new direction and um Brooklyn did exactly the same. I mean, what they did is they said we are not trying to um, copy um, Manhattan. Uh, we don't try to copy Luxembourg City. We don't want, and I can even say it here, we don't want Louis Vuitton Chanel down there because this is not that's not our soul. This is not what we are. And um, um, and at the same time, um, what they did attract is um, all those artists, creative minds. Um, who started to find some um, possibilities um, in Brooklyn to build up uh, small studios. And out of the studios, you got afterwards uh, something huge. They became um, famous fashion artists, they became, or designers, they became actors and they settled in Brooklyn. And if you go now to New York City and you just... Um, stand in Manhattan and very often in the evening you just want to go to Brooklyn because you have the hype, you have the bars, you have a good atmosphere and you just want to be there because um, people feel good. And this is what I see for our city, this extreme potential that we try to make out of this. And perhaps you have this analogy with New York and Brooklyn because you were in fact a trader and an investment yeah. banker over in New York exactly. for a while. Exactly. So Why did you leave? Yeah, right. Of course you came back to different ones. I, I understand. But um. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, um, yes, I am trained investment banker, so come completely from different um, spectrum of of qualifications or of I think what that's I very relevant for being an economist in the yeah, city. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but still, it was completely different. You are in the private, you're dealing with deals which are bringing you sometimes to the edge of your health. Um, sometimes you're struggling with your principles, your ethics. I mean, this is just the way it is. Um, obviously, I wouldn't mention uh, really the bank I was working for, but um, we there are some, there were deals where I thought, okay, this is not what I really want to have and um, I really came to a point where I didn't know anymore okay this is not what I need well I switched afterwards to London I came a little bit closer to fashion yes I, I, <laughs> I, I was reading this in your bio and I I'm really looking forward because I purposely didn't ask before the live show because I want to have it fresh from you yeah. you then moved into fashion in London so that's exactly. quite a flip uh, that was um, really kind of a flip. In fact, I went to London um, for the same company that I worked in. The bank. New York, the bank. But um, a very big client was at that time um, a very famous uh, British uh, fashion designer. I guess many people would know now which one I mean. Well, there's um, a few. We have more than one. Which yeah. one? So, do, no, do it, tell. Was, it was Burberry at that time. And um, so I um, actually, you know, we have been working together for quite a time and, and I switched over to them and... Um, got the chance for the London Fashion Week and um, and just uh, get into the beauty of design. I mean, and um, 
so in fact, my dream job was pilot. So this I never pursued after all. <laughs> but then here I felt some really passions about um, the beauty of um, designs that you can have. And it was not anymore it's just about money, although I was in finance. But um, I just could see how they you know, put together some beautiful dresses. And you got in touch with people who came uh, working for this as artists, fashion designers, um, well, of course, models too. And, um, and it was a completely different mindset. And uh, this mindset, um, well, brought me um, London very close. I mean, a lot of um, places in London that I could visit due to this. And um, I, I really loved every single part of it. But um, with fashion comes, or in this part of industry, it comes also again with other things which um, are pretty known out there that, um, you know, there are substances you use that you shouldn't and you start really harming yourself a lot, not just working times, but also the way you live and the way you interact with these people. So I got... Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I, I bring that up because uh, it's very important for female health, because I think particularly yeah. the fashion industry impacts young females. And as we raise young female girls, we need to be careful about this. So yeah. what did you see? Um, I saw um, really exactly what the cliche is out there. So um, I saw young girls coming in, I mean, with all this hope and these dreams that they have. And um, they really had the dream to to walk this catwalk. And um, most of them as children won already one or the other award and uh, pushed by parents very often because it was always this hope to become famous. And uh, once they came in, um, they, of course, they are a little bit naive. Why? Because they don't really know uh, the pressure behind. And um, when I could see how they dealt with all those young women and their hopes and their dreams and how it was crushed pretty fast, um, it was pretty awful to see. And I saw some of them really falling very deep. Uh, um, mo the biggest subject was uh, depressions, um, uh, eating disorders, um, and just because they wanted to try. And I mean, there was the fashion designer at that time uh, who they walk in and he would throw them out, not just in a way, um, well, listen, maybe it's not working now, come back, just um, work on your walk. But it's, uh, have, a look, have, a, have a look at you, just turn around. There's a mirror and um, if you don't get sick when you see yourself well then I don't understand you go home and look for something else you know you smash somebody's dream it's not that you just try to give some professional advice this is just smashing somebody's dreams and well not just their dream their entire confidence and, and, and exactly so and, and this is where you could see people really fall um, I mean literally fall and um, and you just you said for 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 young girls it was um, not much better for men neither I mean it's um well, that's a very good point, because in fact, we forget the male story. And I would add, we don't hear enough about the male story. So please shine a light on yeah. that for us. So, um, well, you know, for men, it's, it's, it's very um, funny, actually, because for them, it was always a big struggle to get the recognition in this uh, industry. It was always seen as um, very often we imagine our catwalks with um, the, the female walk of Armani and you have Chanel, you have Burberry, obviously, and you watch the female models and um, the men now it's different I'm talking at that time it was much more difficult for a man to find his way in so it was um, very specific you came in because you knew somebody um, it was very rarely about your talent I mean being a fashion model has just maybe 20% something to do with your looks. It's a lot about your attitude, a lot about who you are and how you move and how you express yourself. And and um, it was, for men, very often not this. So you, it was very often you knew somebody. So just, yeah, come in, just walk. Because um, um, you knew uh, Lewis Hamilton, I mean, just saying. Or you knew, you knew Kay Moss. Um, you, you're just somehow related with her or you know her. So you get your chance and you have the very talented guy standing there and just you know no chance walk and um, anyway why are you interested in and then you come to those things where um, you must be gay so um, and, and, and that was pretty uh, hard on some um, who immediately got this picture that they can't be normal that they got always put into a corner and you are not what a man is supposed to be and and that was um very very hard on on many young guys at the, at the same way for women so it was hard on young people who try hard who had a dream and uh, come out completely 
uh, smashed and completely, um, yeah, so a little bit torn and not knowing anymore what to do, actually. Well, thank you for telling us that story. I didn't uh, mean to sit on it for so long because you're here representing uh, yeah, actually, yeah. different <laughs> But in fact, all of this means that you come with great experience from New York, from London, and you're bringing that. And here in front of me, I have two wonderfully creative ladies who are going to become those Brooklyn hipsters of Diffidange. And I'll start with you, Natalia, because in fact, you have also worked uh, with models. You came up through modelling agencies. But in fact, if if I may go back to your story a little bit, you're from Poland, uh, via Scotland of all places, you've come to Luxembourg. (laughs) But you started out yourself as a dancer, an acrobatic dancer. Yes, dancer. I did six years of professional dancing. And then unfortunately, because of the health, I couldn't continue anymore. So I switched to another artistic uh, part, which was painting. I did the... art school and then after the art school I was a little bit lost didn't know uh, if I should continue with with painting because obviously um, living off painting it's not the easy thing especially uh, those days and um, I decided to do cosmetology and uh, while I was doing cosmetology I also had to work so I was always doing those hostessing jobs and from this, I got the link to, to model agency by actually by, by, by chance. So I went for the casting uh, as, a, as a hostess. They didn't take me, but uh, the owner of the model agency asked me who did my makeup back then. And I said it was me. So he really liked, he, uh, liked, it, liked it and he offered me to come for a trial day. Uh, and this is how the two years contract after came. So yes, I started so, so working for them actually without experience on uh, doing makeup on other people. But you then, of course, got all the certification. Yes, after that, yes. But uh, I mean, what's lovely about these stories is that they're all how one veers in life. Uh, you veered in life, Max, you veered. Uh, would you mind, you don't have to, yeah. tell us about the health issue that changed the course of your life? Uh, I got the tumour. So that was the, it got removed, but it came back the year after. And then the, the doctor said that it's not really possible for me to continue. And in fact, the doctor didn't do a great job on. No. <laughs> so no, so you had. an accident that, uh, yeah, they, they made the mistake. You've had to live with this and you were a teenager at the time. Yes. And I mean, that's an awful lot of pressure on you, but you've brought all of that and you, you've changed course. How easy was it for you to shift? What was your dream at the time and then change course, change path? Um, I think I am generally the person who just has to do something creative, something something to do with the art. And uh, it was f- from the beginning uh, a little bit painful, of course, to, to stop this dream. But I very quickly find myself uh, in, in painting. Then I was doing also art in metal a little bit. So, And now here you are today <laughs> in Luxembourg with your own studio in Diffredange as a wonderful makeup artist, photographer as well. And your, your work is very, very beautiful. Thank you. So tell us then, Diffredange wasn't the first place you settled. No. How important is it as an independent artist to find a space, to be helped to find a space and to be supported by a city? Exactly. So I was a little bit struggling from the beginning because I came in the time when soon after COVID hit. So uh, it made it a little bit more difficult for me to to get into the the market. But luckily, I I got accepted to the first fashion week in 2019 of Luxembourg. And this is how I met uh, Fabiola Puga, who organized the Fashion Week. And uh, since then, I was working with her every year uh, as a makeup artist. And uh, last two years, I was a chief makeup artist. And um, I started in Strassen, actually in my flat, doing makeups. Then I, the year after, I moved to Dudelange to actually, I, I partnered up with the Fabiola Puga and we had a studio there. And uh, were you supported by that city? Um, I was supported more by Fabiola Puga than the city. So, so now you're in Differtange. That's yes. a very diplomatic answer. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, moving, I'm moving past it. But how did you find the support? How does one go about finding the support from a city for anybody who wants to follow in your that shoes? That was actually amazing because I, my daughter got accepted to the international school in uh, uh, Differdange and I got an idea to actually call the, the commune and this is where I got 
enormous uh, support and uh, I was uh, I, I felt so welcome I, I contacted um, the management team and there was a uh, max assistant Sarah who was extremely extremely nice to me and uh, open and then she organized the meeting with, where I met max and uh, the support that they gave me it was just uh, like well this really follows on from the story that you've just told about the the young men and women, girls and boys sometimes coming up through the fashion industry where literally they're crushed by the way people treat them. And you're I saying had, the same yes, thing. Yes, yes. It, it was not easy, especially in Luxembourg, for being uh, a self, self-employed, somebody who doesn't speak the language is only English, For in my case. And uh, to find my own studio, the prices are quite high. And uh, this is where Max and, and um, the med- management team been so open and so supportive. And uh, I felt that they really believe in and love what I'm doing. And uh, so it gives you confidence it gives to me confidence continue and, uh, and flourish. Yes, definitely. And so I'm, I'm very, very grateful to the to the city and the welcome I got from the city. Well, that's wonderful. The, the, the mini Brooklyn is beginning. Yeah. Celine, you have a similar story. I do. Yeah. And again, it started. I must encourage people to look at their, at, at your rather, Instagram page if you want some food porn because it's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it started through COVID. Yeah. You just started making some cakes. So basically, uh, I was on Instagram. I saw a story of a girl who put a story like looking for someone who can do me a number cake. And I was with a friend. I was looking at the stories like, you know what? I, I'm sure I can do this. I never did it. Uh, you never she, baked before. I did, but not something <laughs> like that. Like I did like the classic stuff like muffins and banana bread and like things normal people do in their regular house kitchen you know mm-hmm. and um so i did i texted the girl like i know i haven't you you know if you trust me i will try and she was like okay girl i'll i will let you do your thing and so uh i did my first cake everyone liked it and i was like oh i could do this maybe like maybe a few times per month and then um covid came so you know, every well, well, everybody stopped partying, and like you know, nobody was allowed to see people in the beginning of COVID. Um, but once the f- people were allowed again to to group up, um, a few orders came in, and it got more and more. And I got like ideas, maybe I could really do something with this. And um, you made it into started. a business, yeah, kinda. And so then, tell me here, representing Ville de Luxembourg. Uh, no. Ville de Differdange! Ville de Differdange! Sorry, just like. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah, Ville de Differdange. Uh, sorry, I think they'll remember it more that I've, I've made such big errors. <laughs> you got support. Yes. And you have a studio also there. Yes. Well, when I say studio, I mean kitchen. It's, yeah. So basically, um, I was like, okay, I need a place where I can do this in a proper kitchen space and not at home. So uh, I sent an email to the commune saying, hey, I am looking for a place where I can basically mostly do my production. Um, If you have any empty premises that you know that I could use, please tell me. Um, And then we had the first meeting with Max and Sarah and uh, we discussed about what I was looking for, what I would need. And um, we didn't have a solution straight away because it's not that easy to find a place with a kitchen that's already in there uh, as I did not have the budget to... to yeah. Well, budgets are hard when you're yeah, starting you know, out. Ex- especially like professional kitchens, it's very expensive. Um, and basically there was this restaurant at the Place du Marché that was empty for two years. And uh, they proposed to me, listen, this is not you being used for two years. Why don't you use the kitchen? We know you will not use the whole thing, but you can use the kitchen. It's not being used. And that's how I... So it's a win-win. It's a win yeah. for the city. It's a win for you. Yeah. And how important is it to share a space, you know, to be in a building with other creators? Creatives. How does that impact how you think on a so daily basis? For myself, I am alone in the place, so maybe it's more for Natalia yes. because she's living with the other, with another artist, uh, Lara. But um, for my part, I am on my own for well, right now. On your own right now, but I did see on your website you're looking for staff. No, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you Something want to work with me, coming up. if you want to work with me, is on your website. 
Oh yeah, but it's more like collaborations. <laughs> oh, collaborations. Yeah, that's more for right, collaborations. collaborations. Sorry. So okay, I I did read your website yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, collaborations. Yeah, it's more like uh, product placement or. Uh, collaborations with other people for I don't know like I did a yoga brunch yeah uh, once a month I do a brunch um, uh, in Differdange and I had this girl who does yoga classes and so we did a collaboration where she did an hour of yoga and then afterwards they stayed and they ate cake yeah well, not, not just cake but a whole brunch menu this and is a yoga class I could I get into <laughs> I, I like this yeah, this is sounding very very fun. nice and you fun. mentioned Lara actually and I yeah. know in fact one one of your other passions, I can see it, are tattoos. I do. Um, this, this is a side story, but but do tell me about tattoos. Um, so I can see uh, under your beautiful shimmering top, there you, are a you, few. You can't see that much, but uh, basically I started very late. I got my first tattoo two years ago. You did not start late. You were very young. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think most, well, many people start like uh, 17, <laughs> 18 years old. And I started, I was 20 six well something I, like I think no wait no no still, later um, personally i think that's quite young so, and two years later now i have 45 so 45 I'm, tattoos yeah. okay so what's the what's the attraction what's the uh i just i started with one and then and then you just want more and then yeah you get addicted it's kind of yeah be careful addiction. the thing about tattoos for me is i always think about skin as as one gets older yeah and how a tattoo will look if one lives to 95 i've, I've seen people that that I'll, I will say old with the tattoos and they look cool. Okay, I well, mean, you're going to be I very think you cool. Lo- I think you just love the, the tattoos and when you're older, you're not going to regret it because they've yeah. been part of your story. And That's true. That's true. Yeah, for me, I'm you, not concerned. You, you I'm not carry afraid them beautifully. Of. And this is a call out for another of those uh, Brooklyn Differdange artists okay. who is Lara. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just um, what we are actually looking for. It's not like we are looking for tattoos, although, yeah, we share this, but I mean... Um, <laughs> It is just about people who are very open-minded, uh, people who really want to create something f- and uh, doing it together with the city. And I think that's very important to say that we we are there as a city management team um, not to be purely administrative, although we have our procedures to respect always, but um, we are there to make things happen and to make things possible. And I always loved the American way in that. It was pretty fast when you wanted to do uh, something like that. And so what we try to do is to be very solution orientated and just um, getting this city centre to be revitalised and just to to live again and um, um, what we will do is that we are working very strongly in networks and uh, we are within doing this. We will have a few um, um, a big group from the city coming um, honestly, um, seriously I can mention them because we were discussing that I can we will have with uh, Stefan Rodriguez and Jacques Leboeuf we will have two uh, nowadays they have um, Shigri um, Alma Emilona um, so it's one big restaurant group um, and it's um, a, a team um, of, of a young team very devoted and they really want to create stuff really creative art too and um, we signed them up for different launch too and uh, I mean, with Jacques Leboeuf, we get also one of them, actually the daughter of Franck Leboeuf, a football player from uh, the French um, the French national team and won the World Cup in 1998. And um, so she's a, a, a strong influencer too. So She we, certainly is. She yes. is. She is. She even has more followers than you, Celine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way more. Yeah. Well, this is great. You're it, using your, your, your know-how from New York and London. My goodness. Ex- exactly. That's a, bit, a little bit to go. Ville de Luxembourg. Better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to bring you in here because you have a little passion for, for food as well, I know. Uh, yeah, apart from eating it. Um, <laughs> you yeah, make you yeah, make things, no, you grow I, things. I like, uh, I like gardening and uh, over the last few years I've uh, invested a lot of time and effort and put up a greenhouse as well. So we, uh, we grow a lot of uh, fruit and, and some vegetables as well. Yeah, and we see lots yeah. of lovely photos of jam and things like this on your side. It's marvellous. I mean, it's the way yeah. we're returning to our grandparents' uh, generation. The other thing, Jeff, that I would like you to talk about, because ever since I saw the photo, I'm a fan and I need to buy one of these. It brings in photography. You have a special bird feeder where it takes a photo when a bird lands. Tell me about this. is so gorgeous. Yeah, I, I think all this uh, links in, and I will get uh, directly back on, onto that in a second. This is uh, all linked in together because I love to go fishing, etc. Like 
from a working life, not that I'm working in the kitchen or, or whatever. I've been sitting behind a desk, behind a computer, and I just like to get out with nature, whether it's uh, uh, fishing, whether it's in the garden, uh, etc. And uh, over the last number of years, I've developed uh, more of an interest of um, uh, bird watching and particularly garden birds. And I've had a number of um, uh, feeders and put up a bird table, etc. And uh, watched the different uh, birds coming in, and particularly over uh, the pandemic when the at the start. But when everything was closed down, there was no traffic on the roads, etc. So we had a number of uh, unusual visitors to the garden, uh, including green woodpeckers that we saw them pecking on the grass. We had uh, greater and lesser spotted woodpeckers on the trunks of the uh, trees as well, which is absolutely fantastic. I managed to get some photographs as well. Um, we had like a number of like other other unusual uh, visitors uh, going away from the birds. We had some red squirrels, which are actually more black, but they're technically they're red uh, red squirrels, not the uh, grey ones. But then getting on to your specific question, Lisa, um, yeah, um, in January two years ago, I saw something in crowdfunding. And I thought, yeah, this would be interesting. So it, it was about a bird feeder with an inbuilt uh, camera with artificial intelligence. It would uh, identify uh, the birds. It would take photographs and it would uh, take videos as well. So I thought, yeah, this is something. So the way this was set up was that I would uh, be contributed to the crowdfunding and what I would get in return would be one of the models. So it's like a pre-ordering. Yeah. But it wasn't called that and it, it couldn't be. So um, then came pandemic, supply, global supply chain issues, the uh, everything happened. So two years to the day later, I received mine. So this is uh, in January and I installed it. And yeah, every uh, so often I get a ping on my phone uh, with the app and I can see and I can then select uh, which photographs. Uh, to keep, which videos to keep, whether I keep them myself or share them with the community. And one of the great things with the community is that I can see uh, the visitors to other bird buddies, that's a brand, uh, in Australia, the US, and all different parts of the world. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating. But one of the other things that they're doing with this, they've gathered since... Um, the end of December, when they started the rollout, over 50 million pictures. Wow. And so they are now gathering uh, data. It's marvellous. Yeah. It's like a huge uh, science uh, yeah, research project. It, yeah. And they're going to be using this to help conservation, etc., etc. That's something we could talk about for, for ages. Well, I d yes. I mean, I thought it might be a quick question, but... I can tell you're a journalist, you're a storyteller. I thought we might get a, a Sasha in for a final question here, a squeeze in of a final question. Sasha always has a lovely question to end. Sasha, tell me about our guest. Uh, I mean, this conversation has gone in different directions that I could not have thought. When I was preparing for this show, I, I didn't think we'd be talking so much about like bird feeders or fashion. <laughs> I love the bird feeder because yeah. like a lot of people, I woke up on my 40th birthday and suddenly said, I'm interested in birds. Um, <laughs> never happened before. But uh, also, I, I, I love the Diffidange story because I only discovered Diffidange during the pandemic, the lockdown, through those circular walks. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love the Diffidange walks. There are two. Oh, have and to they them. are so interesting because it also takes you. You've done those, yes? No, no, I haven't. She's saying I must go oh, with you must her. Do them. I must do them, yes. Oh, yes. well, it's it's so interesting. I didn't know that there were these, like, you know, secret places all Absolutely, around Diffidange. Yeah. It's super. This is really important just to know that Diffidange is now not just a remain of industrial um, as an industrial city but we have um, we have even some natural protectorates um, a little bit higher up if you go towards Pétanche you know on, on the hill and the Fond de Grave which is uh, extremely famous uh, where we have the train going through the mine till our little village of La Sauvage where many people don't know that it's yeah. part of our of our community and of our municipality La Sauvage La Sauvage yeah. as in the wild yeah 
Exactly, and this is um, it's a city which is really uh, the borderline between France and and Luxembourg, where you have the old casino. The borderline actually goes really crossing the whole building, and it's even crossing the cemetery. You have people who are buried, you know, dying in Luxembourg, and 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 just being buried on the French side, where you need really negotiations between the French and the Luxembourg authorities in order to find a way how to get your family still buried in the same village. It's it's really fascinating. Um, I just can invite every to get to the, the Blues Express, which is very famous in Defadanche, and you can see and visit all those uh, locations, which are absolutely marvelous. And those circular walks are uh, great, and it's a lot of nature. It's not like you're walking through the steam of Arbeid. This is mm-hmm. not anymore, it's not this. Very you have green. much, much more. It's very green, actually. So. I, I live in, uh, in Defadanche. <laughs> <laughs> the country <laughs> um, and uh, yeah well it saved me during Covid I would have gone mad if I wouldn't have I have the woods right behind my you have apartment. the woods and yeah. your cakes and what else does a lady <laughs> yeah, need what else do and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and two cats yeah. Yeah. oh yeah but, perfect yeah. life <laughs> so no really you have a lot of walking possibilities well what a wonderful way to end the show well This conversation has, uh, yeah, absolutely blown my mind because you've been such exciting guests for me. Um, you've really made me think about certain subjects deeply. I will be maybe buying one of these now crowdfunded bird feeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will send me the link and you will send me also your favorite bird picture and I will put it on the article associated with this show. And uh, I'm sure we could have many more outcrops of conversations from this, but I wish you all, all viewers, all listeners, a wonderful week ahead. Of course, you can listen to this show on RTL Today Radio podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and you can watch us on RTL Play. And with that, I wish you a wonderful week ahead. Mm-hmm.